Okay, hello everybody. Today is Thursday, and on Thursdays this year, I've been doing a regular segment about the disappearance of Donna Lass from 1970. But just a couple of quick announcements before we begin. The first is that on Friday for the Anything Goes segment, there will be an episode on the disappearance of Joan Brish from 1961, and it is now the year 2021, so it is the 60th anniversary of her disappearance. And that is a case that I followed a lot in 2017, but I'll talk about the disappearance of Joan Rish tomorrow. And also, there will not be an episode coming out on October 30th of this year, because that is going to be a day of resting in peace and mourning for Sherry Jo Bates. So I'm going to do an episode all over the weekend, which is going to be an AMA mostly focused on Sherry Jo Bates. I've been a little bit busier, so I haven't been able to put out the AMAs on Wednesdays recently, so I've decided to put them out over the weekend, because you guys leave so many excellent questions and comments about the channel, not only about the Zodiac Killer, but about all kinds of cases. But we are approaching the anniversary of the passing of Sherry Jo Bates as well. A lot of things happened in October, so... I will respond to your questions and comments about her. And also, I wanted to do the AMA because when I read Ray Grant's book, Zodiac Killer Solved, I said that one of the best parts in that one was his analysis of the Sherry Jo Bates murder. When I read Soren Korsgaard's book, America's Jack the Ripper, I also said that the best part of that book was his analysis of the Bates murder, and specifically... His analysis of the Riverside Confession after Sherry Jo Bates was murdered, there were multiple pieces of writing that were mailed in, but I just found that because they really had some good commentary and a very good thought process on the subject, I'll also be drawing from their material lots of things to talk about in regards to Sherry Jo Bates. But this episode is going to be quite different for the disappearance of Donna Lass, because Donna Lass disappeared on September 6th of 1970. She was working the 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino in State Line, Nevada. Donna most likely walked to work that day. Her apartment, the Monteverde Apartment Complex, which was on Pioneer Trail, was roughly 16 minutes from the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. Donna worked as a nurse at the first aid station, and she saw her last patient at 1.30, and she was last seen by a woman named Joan Bentley at 1.40 in the morning on September 6th. Now, what happened to Donna after that? Well, it's, it's a mystery. We uh, really do not know. And you can see from the title of this episode that it's going to be incorporating the Ted Bundy connection. I'm going to talk about some articles that people have written about Donna Lass and Ted Bundy, but for my discussion, I would really like to focus on the similarities in the way that Ted Bundy operated and the way that Donna Lass would have experienced her final moments, and mostly a comparing and contrasting. We should remember that Ted Bundy was captured multiple times, convicted of multiple crimes, executed, and he was not convicted for the murder of Donald Lass, so I will just leave it at that. But some comparing and contrasting, I think, could be rather useful for this discussion, because 
when I decided to do this deep dive podcast segment on the disappearance of Donna Lass, it was um, at the request of you guys in the audience. I pulled you guys and asked what you wanted to hear about, and overwhelmingly people voted for the disappearance of Donna Lass. But then I was thinking, goodness, what am I going to say? Because Donna was last seen at 1.40 in the morning. She was supposed to complete an entry in her nurse's logbook, but it was incomplete, and she was never seen again. And I will also uh, share something with you guys that after the Ted Bundy material that I'll get to in just a second, we have some similar cases about people disappearing and being murdered in the South Lake Tahoe region that were shared to me, that were shared with me by Michael Morford and by Colonel Reb. So please stay tuned all the way to the end. And if you haven't already hit the like button and subscribe to the channel yet, now is a great time to do so, so you can follow all of these true crime discussions. But also I have to give a shout out to True Crime and Anime Reviews .home .blog, which was the first place I saw online that had an article posted about Donna Lass and Ted Bundy. And I mean, I was just trying to find some new sources about Donna Lass and I encountered this one. Ted Bundy's Excellent Adventure in California, Donna Lass and Ted's Connection. Um, first thing I need to point out that Donna Lass was um, last seen in Stateline, Nevada. But um, I will just read something here and then respond to it. First, we must address the elephant in the room. That is the constant, inaccurate, and even sometimes stupid blaming of the Zodiac for another man's crime. This has got to stop. And yes, I'm, I am reading. Those aren't my words. Keep this in your mind because by the time you finish this essay, I want you to have two ideas firmly implanted in your brain. Anyway... I do want to address the utter insane bullshittery of linking the Zodiac to Donna Lass, because so, with four O's, many people keep linking him to every fucking crime ever. It's becoming ridiculous. Stop, stop it. The Zodiac had nothing to do with Donna Lass. Nothing. Everything points to Ted Bundy. Now, I have to throw in a little bit of an interjection. These are my words, not this uh, very passionate blogger. But oh, those are some uh, very bold statements to make. Donna Lass mostly gets incorporated into the Zodiac crime because a card was mailed from the, or mailed with the Zodiac symbol on it, allegedly linking the Zodiac to a crime that had occurred in the South Lake Tahoe region. And as I understand it, that the authorities began mulling things over, the authorities and the media, and then they were like, well, who on earth could this person be talking about, well, it seems like Donald Lass was a likely candidate, and that is how they made the connection. And a big point about the Zodiac Killer is, in the canonical crimes, the Zodiac did not address any victim by name. The girl and the boy, the um, woman and her baby, and um, that would be in reference to the Kathleen Johns incident, which um, occurred the same year that Donald Lass disappeared, but Everything points to Bundy. Ah, uh, this person is being very passionate, but was Donna Lass actually abducted and murdered by Ted Bundy? Now, maybe if you have some familiarity with Ted Bundy, or you've read The Stranger Beside Me, or watched the movie. I saw the movie, I thought it was pretty good, and um, there's also that one movie just simply called Ted Bundy that's available. Someone else also recommended The Deliberate Stranger um, another uh, film about Bundy, but you may see some of the things that he did to lure women toward him. And he would put like a fake cast on his arm 
and then you would say, oh, I uh, need help with something about my boat, and I have a broken arm, can't you see? It's just down there, could you help me uh, do something? Putting somebody in a false sense of security, asking them to walk to a secluded area, and then Ted Bundy mostly um, killed his victims by blunt force trauma. So is that what happened to Donna last? Did some guy approach her at the nurse's station and just say, oh, I need help with something. Can you come this way? And as Ray Grant wrote in Zodiac Killer Solved, maybe somebody was saying, hey, I have a family member out in the parking lot who's having chest pains. I need you to come quick. You're the nurse, right? And Donna just grabbed her nurse's bag, locked the nurse's room out of habit, and then just ran as quick as she could out into the parking lot, and then somebody pushed her into a car. That could have happened, but was it uh, Ted Bundy? As I said, for the purpose of this discussion, Ted Bundy or not, was it some serial killer who was operating like that? Was it some abductor who was operating like that? I think it's highly possible, except for one major problem. And that is that after Donna disappeared, somebody made a couple hoax phone calls when they called saying that Donna had a family emergency. No such emergency existed. And to the credit of Michael Morford, he really was the first person who wrote this out very clearly online, or the first um, place that I encountered it was reading Morph's Commons. And he just said, that suggests that Donna Lass knew her abductor, or her abductor knew her, or both. And as I've been doing this segment, I strongly believe that Donna Lass was well known to her abductor. Like, the abductor knew her and was watching her and observing her. But I think what Morph was trying to say is that it was somebody in Donna's inner circle because the only reason why those calls came in, why somebody's going to call and say that Donna has a family emergency, is because they wanted to buy time. And originally I thought Morph was saying that he, he thought they were trying to buy time because they wanted to destroy evidence. Like if Donna had been murdered, okay, we'll just wipe down everything, bleach, ammonia, whatever you've got to do, destroy any possibility of anyone finding a trace of Donna Lass, destroying evidence. But um, after talking to Morph on the um, interviews with the expert series on the Zodiac Killer channel, which I'm also host of, also recently interviewed Drew Beeson and Michael Cole over there, feel free to have a look at that series at the end of this episode. But I, he seemed to think that it was more about getting the story straight. I mean, in all likelihood, it could be both. But somebody thought that they were going to be questioned by the police. So they needed to get their story straight. That would point away from an opportunistic abduction, meaning just some serial killer who's on the prowl looking for a woman in a secluded place to do that whole Ted Bundy thing. I mean... Yeah, you could say to the nurse, I have a family member in the parking lot who's having chest pains. You need to come quickly. Yeah, you could say that to them. Or it could be like the Ted Bundy thing, put the cast on the arm. Oh, I have a broken arm and I need help with something because I can't do it myself. And that really creates the false sense of security. So why would somebody be involved with these prank phone calls? And uh, someone else pointed out in the comments section that... There is almost no chance that someone was making a prank as a joke and that it was unconnected to Donna's disappearance. Those phone calls almost certainly came from someone who had the knowledge of what happened to Donna. It would be 
almost an impossible coincidence if that all just happened at the same time that someone was just being silly and it was unrelated to Donna's disappearance. So I have to agree with Morph on this one. The perpetrator probably had first-hand knowledge of Donna Lass. But anyway, I'll get back to this Ted Bundy article. We are in Ted Bundy theorizing land. I want you to pretend that I am an expert, which I am not. For now, in order for me to explain my theory fully about what happened to Donna last that night, it's wild and crazy. Don't get lost. Never mind, I picked up the apartment idea again. I happened to find this useful. There was, it was a listing, Donna Lass, as an advertisement for an apartment. Well, that's a weird sentence. Vallejo, nautical court. 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., two-bedroom, two-bath, showing. Don oh, Donna Lass is actually listed as the hostess for this. And, um, yeah, this was an old uh, newspaper clipping that featured the name Donna Lass. Okay, that's something. At least this person has dug up some type of evidence. Was this the place that Donna was intended to be at? Therefore, I want you to consider several things as we proceed. Number one. Donna Lass was murdered by someone she knew and trusted. Well, this person seems to be a little bit um, clearer than I thought when it, comes, when it comes to thinking. Donna Lass was murdered by someone she knew and trusted, not by the Zodiac, not by a stranger, but by a former flame. And Morph did point that out as well in our Zodiac um, killer interview with the experts uh, discussion that Donna did know guys. I mean, she did know people. She did uh, date around a little bit during the summer of 1970. She was 25. She had every right to. Um, nothing wrong with that, but there were people in her um, inner circle. Number two, the Zodiac had nothing to do with this case and was merely a useful tool for the guilty party to cover his ass. Now, wait a second there. I was just giving you praise, whoever you are, anonymous blogger on the internet. I was just giving you praise because I was like, okay, you're saying that Donna Lass was murdered by someone in her inner circle, but now you're saying that this person used the Zodiac angle to cover his ass? How do you know that? In fact, I'll just say flat out, I don't think you know that. Number three, Ted Bundy and Ted Bundy alone is considered as the lone and only possible killer of Donna Lass under this theory. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock, it's the Ted Bundy theory that you created yourself. Ding dong, is anybody home? We leave aside all their suspects, and so I don't want you pr to pretend my theory is real and has veracity to it. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I guess I was uh, thinking um, and not reading. I want you to pretend my theory is real. I said I don't want you to pretend. I want you to pretend my theory is real and has veracity to it. Aside from being conjecture, I want you to believe in my theory as I write this, and then afterwards tell me what you think. Number four, Donna Lass was most likely not buried near the pines. This was a trap. She was buried somewhere else entirely. Number five, Ted Bundy either didn't mean to kill her in this way, or else he killed her in a fit of rage. You'll see why later. My friend, um, maybe you're aware of this, but Ted Bundy was a serial killer. You think Ted Bundy abducted Donna Lass but didn't murder her? Um, okay, let's just see where this is going. I mean, this person requested that we're supposed to approach this with an open mind. Ten days after Donna Lass disappeared, Jeanette Rose Miller was abducted and murdered by Ted Bundy. The old ten-day pattern strikes its ugly head. Okay, I can give you that one. And consider this a few days, if not after, before Jeanette 
But before Jeanette died, Ted Bundy was pulled over in California near Tahoe for having bad taillights and was fined. He got fined, one wonders. What was he doing with bad taillights? It doesn't suit the fine and clean-cut, evasive guy he generally was. Also, where did Ted get the casts? Before this, let's get the cars out of the way. These were probably stolen by Ted. We know his VW. This is the vehicle Robin Graham was last seen in. I firmly believe that this was not his type of car. He either stole it or he borrowed it from a friend. He was meticulous about cleaning up a crime scene. What way better than to do than this? No one saw Donna Lass get into any car, so your guess is as good as mine. And that is one of the big um, roadblocks that we have um, encountered with this case. Nobody um, saw Donna Lass leave, and that's why I don't think that she went out the main entrance of the Sahara Tahoe because almost certainly there would have been witnesses. That's why I don't think that she um, went out any of the regular entrances. She may have gone out a service exit, because part of me really wants to say that I think that Donna was abducted by an employee of the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, but it doesn't have to be. It could have been someone in her circle of friendship, like... She's just as easily going to go with the security guard who says, Hey, come quick, we have an emergency, someone needs medical attention. She's just as easily going to go with some type of ex-boyfriend or some guy stuck in the friend zone who is a little bit eager to get revenge on her. Revenge for all the brush-offs. People talk about this. This is a motive why people commit crimes. But I would like to give another shout-out to Morph because he um, shared something with me that is a similar case, but it has a few differences, and that is the disappearance and murder of Bryn Rainey from 1977. Yes, getting away from the Ted Bundy angle now. Um, why don't I just give a final thought on that Ted Bundy theory? Number one, I think the person who wrote that was trying to be very passionate and entertaining. Okay, sure, do whatever you want on your own blog, but... Um, highly improbable, based on the amount of scrutiny that has gone in to Ted Bundy, and, um, I would rather just try to look at the observations made regarding an opportunistic serial killer. I mean, if you want to say that you think Ted Bundy was a meticulous person who was trying to buy time and, um, and be, um, covering his tracks, I can see it a little bit, or any type of opportunistic, um, murderer, but... I don't think, I don't know if there's a strong enough connection between Ted Bundy for you to say that. In fact, there is not. So, opportunistic serial killer, why the phone calls? It seems much more likely that this person had a closer connection than anything you're insinuating between Bundy and Donna Lass. But yeah, more shared with me um, simply that there was a similar disappearance and murder of an individual named Bryn Rainey. And to help us out, I'll go over to an article from SFGate, which talks about two people, actually, Bryn Rainey and Carol Anderson, who were um, slain in South Lake Tahoe, it says, sfgate.com. And this says, Bryn Rainey was early for her shift at the Sahara Tahoe. At 2 a.m., she was due to start her overnight gig as a Kino girl. And that's really interesting because Donna was working 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., and Bryn Rainey was starting at 2 a.m. 
but since she had a little time to spare, Bryn stopped at the nearby Bitter Creek Saloon first. Okay, so Bryn Rainey is going to go missing. Well, she's getting involved with this before 2 a.m. Donna disappeared sometime in between 1.40 a.m. and 2 a.m. You see how this is kind of matching up? It's at the same time in the same area. The bartender told investigators he remembered seeing her on the night of July 24th, 1977. No one appeared to bother her and no one noticed her leave. The first people to notice her absence were co-workers. Rainey didn't show up for her usual shift. For a month, the 27-year-old remained missing. Nothing was touched inside her apartment on Emerald Bay Road in South Lake Tahoe. The police were stumped. On August 20th of 1977, a horseback rider at Stateline Staples noticed what looked like a shallow grave. In it, a police found Bryn's badly decomposed body. Her perch was also buried nearby, but on what forensic evidence remained? The pathologist thought she had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Two years later, 16-year-old Carol Anderson left her home in Stateline, Nevada to enjoy a summer day at Reagan Beach. As the sun started to set, Carol hitched a ride with friends to a house party near Heavenly Ski Resort. The night wore on, and Carol's friends left the party one by one, each asking her if she wanted a ride home. She declined. The last time anyone remembered seeing Carol was around 11.30 p.m. Police think that she probably left the party on foot. Perhaps like so many other teens in the 1970s, she hitched a ride with a stranger. The next morning, someone called to report that they had found a body on Sundown Trail. Unlike with Bryn Rainey, no attempt had been made to hide Carol's lifeless form. Ligature marks were found on her wrist that indicated she had been bound, like Bryn, and strangled. Carol's case, too, went cold for four decades, and Carol and Bryn's families mourned and wept. But there was a breakthrough in this case, actually, that came some years later. The authorities were able to obtain DNA, and this is another case that is most likely solved because of DNA from both crime scenes and from the perpetrator that has been identified as belonging to an individual named Joseph Holt, someone who had uh, been dead for five years, and the DNA breakthrough was made in 2019. As far as Donna Lass goes, I mean, Donna Lass's body has never been found, but this also really goes to show you, did you hear what they said about Bryn Rainey and how her remains were uncovered? Somebody is just out riding a horse at Stateline Stables, and they notice what looked like a shallow grave. And we saw something very similar with the disappearance of Amber Tuckerow in Canada, where she disappeared. 5,000 tips came in. They may even have the killer's voice recorded, possibly, allegedly. And none of those tips helped. Amber's body was found because two hikers stumbled upon her remains. Bryn Rainey was found because a horseback rider noticed what looked like a shallow grave. It's those chance encounters, and that just simply isn't present in the disappearance of Donna Lass, and it is a real shame, but big rest in peace to Bryn Rainey and Carol Anderson. Um, I didn't hear anything about Donna Lass being um, identified there, but I have to thank more for uh, sharing this with me, and um, I would also like to give a shout-out to Katie Dowd, who authored that SF Gate article. And I said that there was a second uh, case that I would use as a comparison. Really, it's three because Ted Bundy and he would be the perpetrator if we're going to talk about 
victim cases. This would be the second victim uh, to compare to Donna Lass, and this was shared to me by Colonel Reb, who simply asked the question, do you think there's any connection between Donna Lass and the disappearance of Trudy Heiler? And I wasn't familiar with the um, disappearance and murder of Trudy Heiler, but she was murdered by somebody who was known as the Crystal Bay Killer. And I would like to go over to an article from the Tahoe Daily Tribune, and this is by Jeff Dornan, just citing the source. Crystal Bay Killer tries again for a pardon. And um, as you see, we're also going to see that there are some answers in this case. Michael Anselmo, serving a life sentence without parole for murdering a Crystal Bay casino worker 34 years ago, will get his second chance at a pardon next month. More people who are working at casinos are turning up dead. Is it simply because it's in the in Nevada and the Tahoe region and there are lots of casinos around? So there are lots of people who are employed by casino, at casinos and many of them are women who end up being in vulnerable places. I mean, you heard this about um, both Donna Lass and Bryn Rainey. They were both abducted somewhere in that... 1.40 to 2 a.m. time frame. Now, is that because shifts started and ended at 1.40 to 2 a.m.? I mean, that, that also means that the person would have had to have known that Donna's shift was ending, but what I meant to say is, is that just because it's the early a.m. hours and it's the dead of night slash early morning and they think that it's an opportune time to commit a crime like that? Maybe. Or is there a more calculating reason going on that this actually is the pattern of a serial killer? We're going to have to do some future episodes. Michael Anselmo is now 53, and that's at the uh, time of this article. This is um, from 2005, actually. So, Michael Anselmo was 18 years old when he grabbed Trudy Ann Heiler as she left the Cal Nevada Lodge after finishing her shift in 1971. The body of the 22-year-old Chico State student was found two days later, hidden under a rock ledge between the casino and the lakeshore. She had been strangled and stabbed. Anselmo's pardon bid is on December 14th, along with three other murderers, one rapist, three drug dealers, and one habitual criminal. I don't know why they included that in the article. He was convicted in 1972 and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. He has asked several times for his sentence to be reduced or commuted, and allow the possibility of parole. The Pardons Board rejected his application in 1990, in part because Anselmo had twice escaped from prison in the intervening years. You escape from prison twice and then you want to be paroled? Not even Ted Bundy could get away with crap like that. The Crystal Bay Killer. I found out about you a couple days ago, dude. Get real. Anselmo is serving two sentences for escapes in Carson City and Las Vegas. I mean, you think you deserve parole? You're obviously a criminal deviant, let alone he murdered someone. His latest application to the board asks his life sentence be commuted, but I'm going to get back to the um, info about Trudy Heiler because I think that's much more relevant to Donna Lass. So, um, you see here that she was strangled and stabbed, and those are, of course, very, um, similar methods that were used in the um, disappearance and murder of Bryn Rainey and Carol Anderson. But I don't believe that those other two girls were stabbed. I think this just goes to show you that 
it is a very physical and intimate way of murdering someone. A very, oh my goodness, I was actually about to say hands-on approach. No, but it's up close and personal. It's not like, say, somebody, for example, the Zodiac Killer, who's just going to fire some gunshots and run away. This person is unleashing uh, childhood traumatic rage onto the victims. And in both instances, I think it's a very normal way to, um, for these serial killers to operate. Very typical behavior for these serial killers to operate. Or even somebody like the Crystal Bay Killer, who um, appears to have only been convicted of one murder, but I'll have to learn more about him as well. So, I think that this goes to show you that there are lots of opportunistic criminals in the area. And this guy here, Michael Anselmo, was only 18 years old when he uh, did that to Trudy Ann Heiler. Um, part of me is surprised about that, another part of me is not, because um, I've talked before about psychology, like the stuff, I mean, I heard in a lecture from Jordan Peterson, nonetheless, that between the ages of 16 and 25, there is a spike in creativity in males, and there's also a spike in deviant behavior. It is a pure correlation. He's 18 years old. I mean, when I was 20 years old, yeah, I was messed up, too, and I even got in trouble with the law myself, so I'm not surprised at all. But, um, I mean, this goes to show you that the age range for somebody doesn't have to be, well, any, any type of expectation. And somebody flat out told me once in the comments section, there's no age to be a killer. But I do think that there are a lot of people who are working in secluded areas, who are also working late shifts. I mean, both Donna Lass and Bryn Rainey are women who were working at 2 o'clock in the morning. Donna regularly worked until 2 a.m., and she would, um, if I understand the situation, according to Morphia, her friend Joanne Getchy, she did not walk home in the dark. What She was actually afraid of the dark, so what she would do is that she would spend time at the casino tables until it got light out, I mean, that must be at least three or four hours, though, if she's getting off at two o'clock in the morning, even in the summertime. And yes, Donna started on July 6th of 1970 at the Sahara Tahoe. She, or she was there in South Lake Tahoe in State Line, Nevada for three months. She disappeared on September 6th. It's the exact three-month anniversary of her time in that area. Previously, she worked at Letterman General Hospital in San Francisco. So these crimes are just very similar, and the purpose of this episode is to do some comparing and contrasting. Let's recap right now. Um, there's not enough evidence to connect Ted Bundy to this. If there was, if this was an opportunistic serial killer, why the phone call? I mean, was this really a serial killer? I mean, you've heard this guy, Michael Anselmo. He was only convicted for one murder. I mean, who knows what else he did? He seems like definitely, definitely a deviant. So... Could this have just been that somebody was targeting Donna Lass specifically, someone in her inner circle who abducted her and did something to her out of rage? It's highly possible. It's highly possible. But maybe one day there will be some chance encounter that, that someone will be out horseback riding and they will encounter the physical remains of Donna Lass, or some type of physical connection, like maybe finding an ID or something like that, that will help people locate where she ended up. I do believe that Donna Lass was abducted. 
I do believe that she was murdered. And this goes to show you that there are a lot of criminals in the South Lake Tahoe region. I mean, it's not like a town where nothing bad ever happens. Oh, there's a lot of bad things going on in this part of the country. I mean, back in 1970. Well, thank you so much to everyone who has left comments, including the people who provided information for this episode, and to these um, news sources, the Tahoe Daily Tribune, sfgate.com. And there's also an article about Bryn Rainey on zodiacciphers.com. I um, did not read that one for this episode, but that's over there as well. Lots of good things, and please look out for the future book discussion on the Zodiac Killer cover-up by Lyndon Lafferty, and there's also going to be an episode on the disappearance of Joan Risch coming out tomorrow for anyone who's listening live, and for future listeners, there will be another episode on the disappearance of Joan Risch. I have loads of old black box recordings about her case, but a newer one. And on October 29th, I think it is, I'm going to be doing the Halloween celebration. The Friday before Halloween, there's going to be a Halloween celebration here on Black Box Online Radio. And if you're listening to this in the future, feel free to celebrate Halloween at any time throughout the year. And you can always go to Amazon.com, get a copy of the book Killer on a White Horse by me. And feel free to visit the Teespring page. Remember, being weird is not a crime. Anybody can write the show at BlackBoxOnlineRadio at AOL.com. That's all for me now, and I will see you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.